Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate your prayers very much. And this last week or two, we are so blessed to have heard from Colorado, Pennsylvania, even a listener in Canada. So we thank you, since we are often uh, banned or censored, at least shadow banned on social media, Thank you for getting the word out about the podcast and about Stand Up For The Truth. So it is because of you. It's not anything we're doing because we're quite limited. So God bless you for that and for sharing our podcast. Can't wait to get to Todd Friel, our guest today. Um, Let's go to the throne. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another opportunity to talk about challenging things, Lord. And as always, Father, we need wisdom. We ask that you'd guide this conversation, direct our steps, And Lord, just show us the way. Show us how to respond to so much of what's going on in our country and our culture. Let us do so in love, but always with boldness and without compromising. And Lord, help us just to stand for truth, God, and to exalt the name of Jesus in everything we do and say. It's hard to do, but Lord, give us that grace. We praise you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Well, I can't wait to talk to, about some of these things we're going to get into today with Todd Friel of Wretched Network. He's the author of five books, at least, and over two dozen biblical resources. He, as you know, the host of Wretched TV and radio, the husband of one wife, father of three children, and owner of one dog. And uh, I love this quote by Todd. He said, Definition of the world's greatest job, study about Jesus most of the day, talk about him the rest of the day, Sounds like I have the best job in the world. Todd Friel, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. The dog died. Oh, no. You didn't get a new one? Thanks for bringing up a painful subject. <laughs> no, we have, not, we have not. And by the way, you don't own a dog. There are equals. We're all the same. We're on the animal's planet, and we're just here by invitation. So you might want to clean up your lingo before you get totally banned on social media. All right, I think I'm going to need uh, some brochures on that new uh, theology there. So the dog's planet, animal planet. <laughs> it's true. That's that's well. That's that's kind of the push these days is that we're the same and we're just sharing the planet. Oh my goodness! People obviously, don't have an understanding of Genesis one. Well, uh, for those of you who have not heard Wretched Radio, um, you've got to tune in. It's just such a great program, Wretched TV as well, NRB, and what other other channels it's on. But Todd, you've been around for so many years doing this, and I just want to yep, yep. I, I won't I won't put a number on your your years. I'm not going to number your days. God did that. But did Ray Comfort really suggest the name for Wretched? I think I read that somewhere. Ray. <laughs> So I see this T-shirt that says, I'm the wretch the song refers to. And bad grammar aside, I, I was just captured by the phrase. And so I called up Ray Comfort, our beloved brother, and I said, I said, Ray, the, you know, the word, you know, wretched, as in wretched man that I am, that saved a wretch like me. Um, I, and, you know, Ray sometimes doesn't always pay attention. And my, my, my words kind of, I think, ricocheted around. And he said, well, you know, I'll think on it. Why? And off he goes to witness to somebody. And then two <laughs> minutes later, my phone rings. Todd, Todd, this is right. I'm so sorry. I thought you were talking about what a cat does when he has a furball stuck in his throat. You should just call it wretched. You know, wretched, that would do it. And then he hung up and he went away. And so that was what we came up with. Uh, Todd, what is the biggest challenge when you go out and you share Jesus with a culture that is so far removed these days from biblical values and Christianity. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, the, the truth is I'm the biggest problem hmm. because my experience is, uh, you know, kind of ebbs and flows. But right now, I can't tell you exactly why. Maybe COVID had something to do with it. Maybe it's just that people are so divided in a technological age that they don't have a lot of human interaction. Or it could be kids that are from broken homes. When I go to the university campus, um, 
things have changed. Witness encounters are not a few minutes long. They're a half hour long because the kids actually want to talk Hmm. and they are grateful that a big person is taking interest in them and genuinely asking them questions, not using them as a hit or a mark or a target, but just actually talking to them, Hmm. listening to them. They will talk for a long, in fact, the other, okay, so a few weeks ago, we're out at Kennesaw State University here in Atlanta, and we had been there for maybe four hours, and a kid walks up to us and says, uh, could I ask you some questions? I said, why? Well, I, I heard that you're out here, um, you know, talking about Christianity, and I've got some questions. Now, oh my goodness. I expected the young man to hit me with the same old, well, this is the problem with evil, and what about the Crusades? Yeah. None of that. Instead, check this out. He actually said, can you explain to me how the New Testament deals with the Old Testament Mosaic Covenant? Oh, my goodness. What? (laughs) What? So we spent a half an hour talking about the law, and he had genuine, sincere, deep theological questions because he'd been trying to figure it out on the Internet. That's what's going on in the campuses, and the biggest problem with it is me. I just got to get there and overcome my fears and get rid of the heebie-jeebies and just go and genuinely, lovingly talk to people, and they will listen. Wow. And that's, I think, what you said earlier about human interaction. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is your um, opinion, really, commentary on how COVID either helped or hurt the church in America, because that was a time, this is still a time where people are the most hopeless, suicide attempts off the charts, you know, mental, you know, uh, issues, mental health issues. So, um, but you're saying generally people do want that human interaction. And I think a lot of us, because of social media, we shy away from it because there's so much angst and division. So just how do you press through that when we've got this idea in our heads that people are going to be so defensive they're not even going to want to talk about Christianity? Well, thankfully at this moment, you know, the, the, the COVID business is certainly lightened up. At least it has where I am, which is in Georgia. So people are less concerned about masking and distancing, et cetera. So that's not an issue. I, you know, regarding your, your, your pondering about the local church, through COVID, how did everybody do? I got to tell you, I don't envy a single pastor Mm. who had to come up with a decision on this. And it's not because they're not smart. It doesn't mean they're not courageous. It means that they care about the sheep. They're getting all kinds of conflicting information from the government, additional sources, and they had to make decisions. And what I've seen, sadly, is that we've got a lot of people leaving a lot of churches because they didn't agree with the pastor's decision. And while I understand the passion behind the issue, wow, I just, I really, I don't think that a COVID response should be a reason for division. We can disagree with our elders. We might not like their decisions they made, but wow, be slow before you leave a good Bible teaching church over something like this. Yes, I've seen that too, Todd, and it, it, it became politicized. And even in my church, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate some people left, and it wasn't over a theological issue, like you said. It was either what they interpreted as politics or just a religious freedom issue. Um, so many directions I, I could go right now, but one thing I wanted to ask you is, back to the church and back to pastors, one of the biggest e- emails or biggest questions we get, one of the more frequent questions, is why aren't pastors talking about what they might consider social or cultural issues, some might consider political issues, meaning what you and I talk about on these podcasts, abortion, religious freedom, social uh, issues such as marriage, creation, gender confusion. Why do pastors avoid that? So how do you respond? I'm sure people ask you that as well. Or how can I find a church where they do preach on these things? To, to be gentle, as a dove, to be wise as a serpent is not easy. Hmm. I do believe that we need to understand the zeitgeist. What, what's the attitude? What's, what's the lingo? What are the sensitivities? We need to be mindful of those. And here's where the tricky part comes in, but not water down what we say. And so I think, I think that there are two things that really help us to find that balance when we want to speak out about a social sinful issue. First of all, we've got to check and see what is, what is our motivation for doing this? Uh, why, why am I talking like this? Because that will guide our tone. Jesus was always filled with grace and truth. Hmm. 
we love the truth part, but the grace part, it isn't so easy. In fact, uh, last night in my 84 hours of private quiet time, <laughs> was reading in 1 Corinthians 16, let love guide all you do. Whoa. And so we are to speak truth in love. If we can't do both, you shouldn't do either. But making sure that our motivation is right. If we see these issues as political issues and not more vertically oriented, we're going to sound like somebody on Fox News. We're just going to be in the arena competing and you know, trying to be as clever as we can to one-up somebody and win somebody hmm. in an argument, beat somebody in an argument. And that's just not our motivation. We want to see souls saved. So I consider my motivation. And then second of all, I just want to be smart. I don't want to go pick an unnecessary fight. These issues are roiling. In fact, I, I, I think we've become way too comfortable with the issue of abortion. That yes. we, just, we talk about it like, well, it's just abortion. No, it's the dismembering of a baby in the mother's womb, and it's done 3,000 times a day in this country. That is abhorrent. Yes. That is wicked. That is an abomination. It's not just a decision. And so we need to be speaking truthfully about these. I do believe even forcefully but don't go looking for problems. You know, don't 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 make Christianity about an issue. We should always be keeping our eye on the prize, preaching Jesus Christ. And as the world engages us with these issues, we don't water it down. We don't backpedal like so many are these days. We speak the truth in love. But I don't think that we should just go looking to provoke people. Those two things, I think, guide us through how to deal with a culture that's antagonistic toward the Bible. And motivation is huge. I, I want to go back to something you said. Um, in the church, there are people that have, call it apathy or whatever, but they have, because abortion is, quote, legal in America, they confuse that with meaning moral, and they have, like you said, accepted it. Yeah. How do we get, I mean, the world's going to do what the world's going to do, Todd, but how do we get to Christians, I mean, true believers, on this issue when there are people sitting in the pews in the comfy seats in churches across the country that are okay with voting for pro-choice, pro-abortion candidates. How do you get through to these people who think that's just acceptable? Well, not to, not to throw down the Nazi card, but let's imagine that we were living in the 1940s in Germany, and and we knew what was going on behind those those fenced walls. We, we know what's going on in there. Hmm. Well, we, we can close our eyes. Uh, we, we can pretend that there aren't flakes falling in the air from the burning of human beings. Or we can find out what's going on in there, what's happening exactly, and then preach about it rightly and do what we can within the confines of the law, because we're not vigilantes. And you would, you would say, well, that's pretty obvious when it comes to Nazi Germany and what was happening in that Holocaust. This one is bigger than that one. Yes. We have more people dying from abortion than who died in World War II. And it is a global problem. And if you and I don't engage, study the issue, become pro-life apologists and gospel preachers, well, then, then, then we're worse than the people in Nazi Germany who just closed their eyes to what they knew was going on. So you're saying be a Dietrich Bonhoeffer and not a silent... A believer or closet Christian. Well, I, I I wouldn't do everything Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. I, I don't believe I'm a kind of a, a purist on Romans 13 and First Peter 2 and Titus 3, that we, we don't overthrow governments. We don't assassinate people. We do what we can in the confines of the law. But this is going on right underneath our noses. Let me share something, if I could, sure. that I think would be so, this, this alone would like help us all to win these arguments about life. It's, it's an acronym, SLED, S-L-E-D, Size, Level of Deve Development, Environment, and Degree of Dependence. Every single argument that pro-choicers bring, it can slot into one of those four categories. So they say, well, you know, it's just so little. Right, I know it. But most people are smaller than them, but I can't kill them. So size is irrelevant. Level of development they would say, well, they're not fully developed. Well, neither is a two-year-old, but we don't kill toddlers. <laughs> Environment, it's in its mother's womb. Right. And what does location have to do with what is just? 
And then degree of dependence. Well, it depends on its mother. It depends. It depends on someone else for life. Well, a lot of people who are in ICU wards depend on machines to stay alive. That doesn't mean we can kill them. And so if we just remember that acronym, when you listen carefully to the arguments that the pro, pro aborts bring, you'll be able to slot it in, counter it, and show them what I think they frankly know, and that is what is inside of a mother's womb is precious. It's a whole innocent human being, different DNA, sometimes different gender. It is a completely different person. It is not a part of the mother's body, and she cannot remove it like she would a mole. Mm. It's got separate DNA and in its own organs and its own heart. It is not part of a mother's body, so it's not her body. So that blows away that uh, my body, my choice uh, talking point. Um, we're talking with Todd Friel of Wretched Radio about all kinds of different issues, kind of jumping around a little bit here because we've only got them for a short time. But, Todd, yesterday we had uh, General William Boykin of Family Research Council on. It was a, just a phenomenal conversation with this American hero who now uh, just really d- goes out and speaks. He's speaking at Promise Keepers coming up. But we talked about masculinity and what they're doing in the military and the role of men in society, the role of men in the church, what Hollywood has done successfully and demonically for decades and destroying the family. And I would just love to get your take on I just noticed over at the Wretched Facebook, you've got something on there from apparently your program last night, which I didn't catch. It's called Where Are the Men? Um, Was that in reference to in the church or just in general in society? Yeah, no, it's that that particular question about where are the men is speaking up boldly on these issues Amen. and speaking prophetically mm-hmm. against what the culture is doing with the goal to save people, not just to one up them. Amen. And but with it, I'll tell you, I have been I've been stuck on on this thought lately because of Genesis one twenty seven. So God makes a man, a male human to glorify him as an image bearers. And how does God assess man's ability, not just man, not women, man's ability to glorify him? He said, it's not good. This, this, is, this is not good. So he created a female to glorify him also. That means men have attributes and women have different attributes that are both attributes of God that when we play our roles, We are glorifying him. So when you as a gender, whichever one you happen to be, you say, no, I want to act like the other gender typically does in the way that God clearly made them. You're not glorifying God the way that you were made to glorify him. And I keep I keep coming back to this thought, because with all of the objections that people bring about toxic masculinity, women have been barefoot, pregnant in the kitchen and oppressed. Hold it. Hmm. Now, there's been bad outworkings of this, but. God has defined our roles for a glorious purpose. This is a transcendent idea that I think the world is groping for right now. You were made to play a role, and God assigned you your part. God, the director of the universe, assigned you a part. You made it into his cosmic play. Here's the role. Glorify him the way that he made you, where he placed you, the attributes and the skills that he has given you, glorify him to the max in the confines that he has given to us. Now, that brings nobility. That brings a purpose to life. And so when a gender, when when we're encur- when men are encouraged to act like girls and girls are encouraged to act like men, it's like, hold on, wait a second, you're, you're, you're missing the big picture here. This and this isn't just about arguing treatment of women, women's rights, the feminist movement. No, this is about, hold it, God has defined the roles here. We must play them, otherwise you're failing in your responsibility to glorify God to the max. And I think if we keep returning to that point, it starts to brush away all of these objections and, and all of these the, the attitude, for instance, that says, well, wait a second, a woman is supposed to be a helper? Oh! Oh, no. Well, wh- that's, the, that's the subservient role. Hold on a second. Who says the subservient role is less than the leadership role? Who mm. says that? Answer, the culture does. Yes. God doesn't. God is pleased with the humble. Jesus came to do what? Be worshipped? No, to serve. God told women, you're an etzer. It's the Hebrew word for helper or help me. Well, guess what? God uses that term for himself 17 times in the Old Testament. God is a helper, and when a woman acts like a helper, she's acting like God. 
and it glorifies him. And the world is going to bellyache about it and go, well, that's just not as good as having the corner office. That's only in the, in the world's economy, but it's not God's economy. Our role, our job is to glorify him by playing the roles that he has ascribed to us, because that is what brings him the most glory. And I'll just close by saying, any time we go outside of his definitions, when we try to rewrite the script, it cannot go well. I'm not saying it will not go well. I'm saying it can't, because just as there are laws that God has applied to the, to the universe, there are laws in living. If families are strong, a culture is strong, whether they're believers or not. When men play their roles and women play their roles, the culture is stronger, whether they believe in God or not. Why? Because those are the laws of the universe when it comes to morality and living. Anytime we go outside of God's definition for how we're supposed to live, it will inevitably, it must end in misery. Mm. I'm, thank you for speaking so clearly on that. You know, issue. you got me a little whipped up no, first. No, no, that's well, that's good. That people need to hear this because this is the message we are not hearing in our culture, and unfortunately, not in very many churches. We're not tackling these issues. I'm just looking at a couple things you've done recently. You talked about Bruce Jenner, Saddleback Church, and female quote pastors in uh, one of your episodes, and I'm just thankful as. A lot of our listeners are who listen to Wretched or watch Wretched TV that you address these issues. And that's why people, I think, are frustrated that he, I have to go to TV or to Todd Friel or to uh, John MacArthur or to someone else to get these issues addressed. And I can't get them in my own local church. So there's a frustration that a lot of people have, which brings me back to your mission, Todd, on your website. Preach the gospel. Equip the saints. Preach to preach and defend the gospel, and then strengthen the local church. Other than strengthening believers, which I think the church could do that too, preaching the gospel, equipping the saints is discipleship, really, or part of it. A lot of churches have lost the way when it comes to what they're doing, and they're, they're building great, beautiful buildings. They've got great programs, and I know I'm putting a lot into this uh, preface to the question, but the question I wanted to get to is, biblical worship and how we now have brought in entertainment and these concepts on how to attract people or keep people attentive and occupied, but that's not the job of the church on a Sunday morning, and you're doing a lot of it. We're trying to do it, and I think people are just frustrated that the church needs to be the church, and what the modern American church is doing today, and I know you talk about this a lot, seems to be veering away from the simplicity and the power of the early church. I'd love to, wherever you want to go with that. Well, there's a lot of places to go. Yes. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Do you, do you have a favorite secular singer? I used to, but right now I can't think of one. <laughs> right, just, just name somebody who's a um, professional singer. Uh, favorite secular singer, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. All right. <laughs> Who's, who does a better job at entertaining, Earth, Wind, and Fire, or a local church, even a big one, a mega church? Who does it better? And the answer is, Earth, Wind, and Fire does it better, because <laughs> that's what they do, and they're really good at it. When the church says, no, we're going to be entertainers, too, i got to tell you something. We lose right out of the gate, because very few churches can really compete on that level. And I do believe that the world, when they go to a church for this type of entertainment, they start to see pretty quickly, it's pretty warbly, regularly off-key, and it's not as good as Earth, Wind, and Fire. Why am I coming here for this second-rate show? Mm. And that is why I think that we need to come back to what ecclesiology is all about. What's the purpose of church? What's the purpose of worship? When folks tend to entertain people, it really comes out of the Norman Vincent Peel, the early days of uh, uh, Robert Schuller, yep. purpose-driven church. We go out and we find out, what do the pagans want? Oh, they, they like good music. We'll make good music. Well, hold on a second. By bringing pagans into the church, you're endeavoring to bring the tares in among the weak. Now, People who aren't Christians are always welcome in church, but we don't do church for unbelievers. We do church for—and now you're going to say Christians. I'd go a step further. No, we do church for God. Mm, What does God want us to offer today? What is the best we can bring Him? What is His preference? Not the unbelievers, not my 80s sensibilities— what does God want? And I need to submit to that. And if that means that if, 
if God likes a rock and roll band, then guess what? As much as I really dislike that style, that's what we're going to do. But if I discover that God is lofty, he's transcendent, he's otherly, he's different, he's holy, he's a consuming fire, the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice, he upholds the world by the, uh, the, by the power of his word, wait a second, maybe I need music that matches the attributes of God. What best does that? That's the music that I'm going to sing. Not what I prefer, not what the pagans desire. What is God's desire when it comes to worship? And that's what we should be striving for, whether Amen. we like it or not. And Amen. if the unbelievers don't come, then the unbelievers don't come, because we don't do church for unbelievers. We do church for God. Oh, my goodness. Friends listening right now, please t- share that, what Todd just said, with your worship leader and your pastor. Just the last two minutes. And uh, Todd Friel, thank you. I know we only have uh, four minutes left. Um how can this be remedied? I'm looking at a Barna research uh, study. Only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Well, the church is really struggling in this area with biblical literacy, literacy as you talk about often on your show. And um, it's a problem in the church, and that's why we try to attract the world and do things for the world, I think. But if 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christian, I know there's a lot of definitions of what a Christian is, it says only 6% hold to an actual biblical worldview. So how, where do we start with this in the church? How do we remedy this? I think, there, I think there's two ologies that need to be considered. We're, we're off in worship because of a low and poor ecclesiology. We are off in genuine conversions and having biblically informed Christians because of bad bibliology and even worse soteriology, if that's possible. <laughs> People these days do not hear the correct gospel. We talked about Ray Comfort. I was saved, but when I heard Ray preach about the use of the law, that it is lawful if it is used lawfully, and it is beneficial, and it's a schoolmaster, it silences the mouth, brings the whole world guilty, it kills, it, it so that God may make them born again. I went, that's the issue right there. Hmm. We've turned the gospel mostly into a life enhancement program or an add-on to your life to make sure that you're living as fulfilled a life as possible. Well, Jesus brings fulfillment, but he didn't come to die on a cross so that I could be satisfied with my situation. He came to forgive me of my sins, to be the propitiation for sins. And most gospel proclamations do not open up the law of God to reveal God's character and nature, man's character and nature, and our need for a Savior. So the gospel doesn't make sense, so it's become this something of a blob of a presentation. Hey, have you tried sex, drugs, rock and roll? Try Jesus. I actually heard. Rick Warren say on Fox TV, hey, try Jesus, and if 30 days you don't like him, you can return him. Oh, my goodness. What? No. What are you saying? <laughs> this was like, I think, a Christmas or an Easter gospel presentation. That is woefully wrong, wow. entirely deficient, and it will do nothing but produce more, more goats who are deceived into thinking they're sheep. And then regarding bibliology, we've got... Who, who sent out the press release that said people are idiots and are not interested in theology? If your people aren't interested in theology, they're either not safe or you shouldn't be in a pulpit. Because Jesus is the most interesting thing ever. And if you can't make him interesting to your people, well, then you're in the wrong profession. That is what plagues our church, a low soteriology and a very low bibliology. Oh, man. Uh, Todd Friel, we, uh, we had 20 questions for you. We got through six, I think. <laughs> but, hey, w- we really appreciate all that you do. We love having your program here on Q9DFM.com, and it's a blessing. I know you're so busy uh, just to have you on Stand Up For The Truth. And the work that you do, it's so very important. I wish there were more of you. But um, let that. No, all... you don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, uh, you're, uh, you know, our audience here gen- tends to be more mature and more biblically sound. And yes, most of the people that are hearing this wishes there could be more Todd Friels. But God bless you, brother. Thank you for your work and everything you do and for taking time to be with us today. Oh, you guys are an encouragement. Stay faithful. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right, when we come back, we've got a couple short articles to look at. Um, We want to get to that John Skillet um, article, the front man of Skillet. 
He condemns woke ideology that he says is wrecking Christianity. Also, we'll talk about what we might be seeing, what we are seeing. No vaccine, no service. And a good report on canceling Christianity. It's kind of surprising. That's next. Keep it right here on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. I was just talking with Spike, and uh, before getting Todd Friel on the air, um, seriously, I had like 20 questions, and we got, got through a handful of them. What we were talking about this all day yesterday. What do you ask a Todd Friel who's covered every topic possible and imaginable that is of relevance and uh, concern to the church in America? Um, so that was just a blessing to talk with him, a very rare opportunity that we had. I hope you recognize how valuable his ministry is. And by the way, what I didn't get to, I didn't toot his horn very much, but he's got over uh, the wretched uh, has 4.5 million um, post views per year on Facebook. So when they put th- something out for, I don't know how, cause he tackles every issue, gender, um, racism, you know, abortion, like he did in the podcast, 4.5 million post views per year on Facebook on YouTube. They get over 9.6 million views every year and their website, wretched.org, wretched.org. million views um, per year. This is just astounding. These are astounding numbers for a ministry that's doing so much great work. So kudos to Todd Friel and Wretched Radio and not being not 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 only not ashamed of the gospel, but but not afraid to tackle any and every crucial issue that Christians need to be uh, talking about, informed about, or at least up to speed on. Now, the other thing, the good news this is because of you, the, the audience that listens to Stand Up For The Truth podcasts. Um, my book was released less than a week ago. It is now number one on Amazon in two different categories, one of them uh, religious intolerance. <laughs> Canceling Christianity is the book. Thank you, because ads have been rejected on Facebook. Social media posts have been censored. And friends, it's because of you and people that follow me or friends of mine on social media are getting the word out. That's the reason. Thank you. I'm not doing it. My publisher has not even started a marketing campaign yet. That's why I know it's because of you getting it out there and sharing the posts. So go to Amazon. You can go to my personal website, but look up Canceling Christianity. And if you could, buy a copy for somebody. Um, it's for believers. I tried to make sure in the subtitle People know what it's about. It does tackle church and politics, <gasps> religion and government, two controversial topics. But uh, check it out on Amazon. And thank you guys so much for sharing it and those who have purchased it already. Now, this article I wanted to get to, um, I, mean, I think I teased it actually last week and we never got to it. But Skillet frontman John Cooper uh, is calling out what he describes as woke ideology permeating the church. And he says it's wrecking Christianity. Now, he's a 46-year-old rocker. Um, his, re- his definition of woke ideology is a morally relativistic framework, a belief system rooted not in absolutes, but in individual experiences, feelings, and understandings, often denoted by, quote, my truth claims. You've heard that, right? Someone said, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. Well, is there more than one truth when it comes to uh, certain issues? No. There are, now, there are different facts, but either, either it's true or not true. Um, he says, I studied postmodernism in college, but I never thought that anyone would actually build a society upon it because it's so untenable. John Cooper said, uh, but that's what we have now built society on. And it's really scary how that philosophy has entered into Christianity. Welcome to the conversation, my brother and sister in Christ listening right now, who is concerned not only for America, but for the Christian church. He says it doesn't even make sense to allow some of these ideas, philosophies into the Christian church. He says you, you can't believe in God and not believe in absolute truth. 
the conclusion of all this studying he's been doing over the last several years, he said he read nearly 200 books and he's been studying these issues. Um, he said the conclusion led him to become outspoken about what he sees as a problematic cultural shift that is infiltrating, infiltrating Christian communities. He's got a book out, and we hope to—we've got to reach out to him. I think we tried a while back, and he's busy, but I know we can contact him. I'd love to have him on the podcast. Um, he's got a book out called Awake and Alive to Truth. He argues that we are living in a time that can best be described as a philosophical stew, suggesting it's highly influenced by postmodern thought. And— Remember we had Doreen Virtue on last Wednesday, a former New Ager who was a bestseller in New Age books and philosophies and angel cards and everything like that. He's, she's been saved for five years and now has a powerful ministry uh, in great YouTube videos, Doreen Virtue. But um, she says one of the things in the New Age movement is they grab a little bit of this religion and a little bit of that religion, a little bit of this idea, a little bit of that philosophy, try to put all these things together, whatever they think of as maybe good or make that work for a while. But that's not a true faith. That certainly isn't Christianity. It is very exclusive. Jesus, of course, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I say that, and there are some that maybe not listeners to this podcast, but there are some out in society who would hear that and go, boy, that's intolerant. Well, what if it's the truth? What if Jesus is who he said he was and is? What if the resurrection did happen? And what if there's evidence for it? What if there were eyewitnesses? What if th these things did really take place and the Bible history is accurate history? What about archaeological finds that reinforce what's written about in the Bible, people, places, events? What if it's true? Well, exclusive or not, there is one way, friends, and that's what this society doesn't like. But so back to John Cooper... He uh, subscribes to this definition of postmodernism, quote, a late 20th century movement characterized by broad skepticism, uh, subjectivism or relativism, a general suspicion of reason and an acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power. The data seems to bear out the presumption that society is trending toward moral relativism and postmodernism. We see that from Pew, Gallup, Lifeway, and a recent study from Barna Group found that a majority of teenagers and young adults, 65% agreed with the claim that many religions can lead to eternal life. That is syncretism. That is taking everything you want and trying to bring it all together and add to your lifestyle, like Todd Friel was talking about, Jesus being an addition to your life to have what you define or what you envision as the, quote, abundant life. And that's what prosperity preachers talk about. That's what positive thinkers and others that we could name <laughs> seem to preach rather than the gospel and the whole counsel of God. So, so many people, 65% of teenagers and uh, young adults agree that many religions can lead to eternal life. Well, they're wrong. Where, where do they get these ideas from? So, in that survey, 31% of the survey's participants said that they strongly agree that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. Think about homosexuality. Think about how in the 1960s, oh, let's, let's say 1950s, 95% of America thought it was a sin. Or some thought it was a mental illness. What's happening today? What happened in 2015? How did we get to the point where there was a whole party that, that flipped and supported sodomy gays and lesbians, same-sex marriage, and then the Supreme Court decided to strike down the protection of marriage between one man and one woman, bans that 31 states in America had on same-sex marriage, and the Supreme Court, nine men and 
eight men and one woman, struck it down and said, now you can go get married to whoever you want. What does marriage mean then? But the point is, it's society changed, and therefore people's ideas of what was true changed because of feelings and emotions and societal shifts on moral issues, on, on biblical issues. So we'll get more. We need to take a break. We'll get back into this article um, and some more quotes from John Cooper, singer, uh, frontman of Skillet, talking about woke ideology that's wrecking Christianity. Uh, and then we'll a couple more stats, and we'll talk also about vaccine passports, which are here. We'll see how we should respond to that. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So, John Cooper of Skillet urges Christians to, quote, be extremely vigilant about the Word of God, suggesting a relativistic worldview will encourage some to reinterpret Scripture based on a cultural understanding untethered from absolute truth. I, amen, be extremely vigilant. Vigilant itself is a powerful word about the Word of God and our faith. But be extremely vigilant. We need to be this way about what the Bible says, because if we're not, then we begin to read the Bible with some sort of relativism. He says, quote, God is right. Whatever he says is right. So we should see the world through the filter that his word is supreme. And this comes back to the idea of authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we know that he, Jesus, is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We know he is the truth, but we need to now get that truth out to people and help people tweak their worldview back to some absolutes instead of going with the whims of culture and the compromise in the church. Paul says in Romans 12 to do not be conformed to the world's ways, to the pattern of this world. But we, Christians, believers, are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformed. Changed. How? By renewing our minds. How do you renew your minds? You can't do that on social media. You need a break. Can't do that on te television and movies. Can't do that. Go and watch your favorite sports team if you do that anymore because they've all, they have all gone woke. Not all of them. You've got to do that in the Word of God. Um, so he says, my experience is supreme. This is what a lot of people are saying now. My feelings are supreme. Follow your heart. I can find truth in my heart. Liar! <laughs> Lies. Then I look through that filter at the Word of God, and I shape the Word of God to meet my needs. And this is what we were talking about with Todd Friel in the previous segment. We were talking about him with adding to your life, American life or whatever it might be, adding Christianity, adding Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus is our life. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Um, then he goes on to say uh, the most frightening part of woke ideology is that it offers a new kind of salvation to its adherents. So he brings up the story about Abby Johnson, which the movie Unplanned, phenomenal movie, pro-life film unplanned was about abby johnson the former clinic worker and director at a planned parenthood she was going with the quotas for abortion she was very successful for the devil for murder for abortion um, and she says at the time she was okay with the feeling that um she might be condemned to hell for abandoning her childhood faith in god and for working at an abortion clinic because in her mind what she was doing was virtuous it was good. It was helping women. That's what culture says abortion does, right? It is not health care, my friend. And he just said, um, Todd, not Todd, <laughs> John Cooper. In other words, what I'm doing is earning me a different kind of righteousness, which is a different salvation, which is a different gospel. And it's so deceptive 
because the world is preaching that they are more Christian than Jesus. Watch out. Virtue signalers. And now I can talk about the, the Rona, the mask, the vaccines. People are virtue signaling. You don't love your neighbor if you don't get a shot. You don't love your neighbor if you don't wear a mask. You don't love your ma- neighbor if you don't blah, 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 blah. Okay. John Cooper says, I think we have a load of people who say they believe they are followers of Jesus Christ, but they're really not. He explained, they just like the idea of who Jesus is or who they think Jesus is, but I don't think they actually know the biblical Jesus. He says, only God actually knows what our best life would be, and if we just trust him, he will give us what's best for us. So, We think we're living our best life now while we're doing things that actually hurt us because we're following society. He said, surrendering to Jesus Christ is the best decision anyone can make, and that will be the only way you can have a fulfilling life. Finally, he said, uh, don't deconstruct the wisdom of 4,000-plus years (laughs) But here we're seeing 18-year-olds, right, watching a four-minute TED Talk or watching something on social media or hearing a little thing from their the college professor or maybe their high school teacher being inspired, right? And now they feel equipped to judge the millennia of wisdom. He said, John Cooper says, that's the epitome of arrogance. Just throw away all history, change everything, human wisdom that has been tried, tested, and approved. So... The bottom line is we need to get back to the Word of God and the truth, and that's what Todd Friel said, too, when I asked him, what is the remedy for the fact that only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview? What is the remedy? He said, the, well, first of all, it starts with us and our individual walks with God and how we mature in Christ in the Word of God, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also how we, we think of the gospel. It's not what modern American churches have made the gospel out to be. And that means worship as well. It's not entertainment. It doesn't. Who cares what people think if we, if we keep them occupied? Are we honoring God, spirit and in truth, in our worship? I don't care if you've got one singer on your worship team. I don't don't care if you've got a team. I don't care if you have instruments. I'm looking at some of these big churches. They're making it like a rock concert with with lights and fog and effects and all the different camera angles showing every musician play every note and jumping around to keep people's eyes moving. You're so distracted at watching things. How do you how do you quiet your mind and go before God and worship him before the pastor or preacher gets up and shares a sermon? If you're jumping around like that, I'm sorry, guys, that, that's called worshiptainment. It's mixing entertainment and worship, and we've got to be better at that as churches in America. All right, I'm off my soapbox that time. We've only got three minutes left. Wanted to get to my article this week on uh, vaccine passports. <laughs> Will we soon see no vaccine, no service Show me your papers, please. Well, there's a new vaccine bracelet. I don't remember if I mentioned this yesterday or not. Uh, Put up by a guy in Denver. You wear this vaccine bracelet, and it's got, apparently, you can have your information in there, vaccination information. But basically, it's a way to virtue signal. Hey, I've got my bracelet. I feel good about myself. I'm safe to be around out in public because I've got my vaccine bracelet. It's called the Immunaband, I-M-M-U-N-A, Immunaband. It costs about 20 bucks, and I don't know if more people are going to be doing this, but apparently uh, this guy says people in the travel and restaurant industries are getting these bands for their employees so people can go to a restaurant or go whatever, do travel, whatever, and they, they see employees with the wristbands. Okay, they're safe. They've been vaccinated. So Governor Cuomo, oh, I just... You guys would have been proud of me. I just restrained myself from saying anything descriptive about him. I know he's evil, but I had a lot of other words I was thinking. Governor Cuomo said, come to the Mets stadium, to the baseball stadium, get vaccinated at the stadium and get a free ticket for another game. And while you're at the stadium, you know what Cuomo's idea is? To segregate the stadium fans sports fans into vaccinated sections 
and unvaccinated. Ooh, the unwanted, the, the, the undesirables, the deplorables. Get those unvaccinated masses out of here. Make, make them sit in a nosebleed section anyway. No, I'm not making this up. Uh, there's a Daily Wire article. Cuomo will segregate baseball games based on being vaccinated. That's a true story, unfortunately. But I also quoted this article at uh, Harbinger Daily, which, praise God, I don't know who runs that news outlet, but they uh, ran my article last week on censorship. But um, Chad Thomas wrote a phenomenal article over there at Harbinger Daily called Vaccine Passports and the Mark of the Beast. I'll put that in today's podcast notes, but go check it out at Harbinger's Daily. And by the way, make sure to go to our resources at standardforthetruth.com. We went from 150 to 200 resources you can trust. I mean, we did that in less than a month. We're adding to that. So you'll have plenty of resources that you can get actual news and that doesn't need to be fact-checked by the left, by the leftist fact-checkers. Um, so 100, 200 200 resources you can trust. Oh, Lord. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, Thank you again for sharing information on my book, um, Amazon, Canceling Christianity. I'll give you a report on it next week. And uh, when we come back, we've got some exciting guests next week. In just a minute, we'll tell you about it. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Wow, another week of great guests. My goodness, J.B. Hickson, uh, Not By Works Ministry. We are going to talk with him on Monday. Believe it or not, I still have the Tuesday thing blank in front of me because I haven't been able to update it on the website. So we do have a guest Tuesday. I'm trying to rack my brain to remember who it is. It's, in, it's at my desk in my email on my calendar that I see I have I'm old school guys I've got a paper copy calendar on my desk I write everything on the calendar sometimes I do not go back to the computer and and type things in so I'm just people laugh at me around here I still have a typewriter by the way um and I still have an eight track tape player okay so um who was Wednesday that I don't even remember do we have it written down over there Spike oh do we have Tuesday do we have Tuesday on there Spike's going to let me know he's helping me out here. News and culture. No, no, we've got someone. We've got a guest on Tuesday. Anyway, Elizabeth Johnston, activist mommy on Wednesday. Mike Gendron, can't wait to hear his story. Thursday, proclaiming the gospel ministries. And uh, Steve Smotherman, we've got a whole bunch of people the next week. And uh, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, we're going to replay that broadcast toward the end of the month. That was, we've got so many good commentaries on that, on the, the truth you shall not we shall not be silent was his book that we interviewed him on so thank you guys um it's the weekend god bless you go serve your king i'm kidding no really do that uh the shout out to todd friel so thankful he was able to come on with us today thank you for your prayers and support i mean it we wouldn't be here without you guys share the podcast please go to our facebook page as well god bless you and as always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.